to the 44th Toronto International Film Festival. You lucky, lucky people. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is our Toronto International Film Festival 2019 review of It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you, except for this week, where we're covering all the films we saw at the tail end of the Toronto International Film Festival. We are here to talk about It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, um, a film that I think we are both very excited to see. Um, There is definitely a trailer for this one, so we're going to play that trailer now, and then we're going to come back and give you guys a review. Hey, I'm looking for Fred Rogers in here. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Please, won't you be my neighbor? Hello, neighbor. Mr. Rogers, I'm here to interview you. It is so nice to meet you. You okay? Profiling Mr. Rogers. Lloyd, please don't ruin my childhood. This piece will be for an issue about heroes. Do you consider yourself a hero? We are trying to give the world positive ways of dealing with their feelings. Yeah? Like what? There are many things you can do. You can play all the lowest keys on a piano at the same time. broken people like me sometimes we have to ask for help and that's okay i think the best thing we can do is to let people know that each one of them is precious So that was the trailer for It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, It is sort of the story of this Esquire writer who is tasked with doing a little piece on Fred Rogers um, for an Esquire uh, feature uh, about heroes. And it's sort of the story of him meeting him and uh, other stuff. Stephen Miller, what did you think of It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? I, I think I want to mix up the format and ask you to go first on this one, because I know you, you were a little more excited about it than me, so I wanna, I, I'm curious, to, because I didn't go in with very high stakes. I kind of was like, mm, maybe I'll like it, maybe I won't. I don't really know, and I feel like you were pushing for it a bit more. So. Yeah, I was very, very excited to yeah. see it. Um, we actually canceled another thing because we didn't think we'd have enough time to make it from that screening to It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And I will say that I did not like this movie at all. Okay, good. I'm not going to be the only one that, like, kind of shits on Mr. Rogers. <laughs> um, I mean, I, 
I didn't know what the story was based off of. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was based off a guy who was supposed to write about Mr. Rogers and then wrote about himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it would be kind of like, what if you were watching the movie The Life of Pi, but instead of it being about the kid and the shipwreck, it was about the guy writing the story <laughs> about the guy. And that could work. That, that, that could definitely work. Like, apparently the article was great. Mm. <laughs> I never read it. Um, I didn't know of the article's existence. I'm, I know Mr. Rogers read it. Uh, Mr. Rogers definitely read it. Um, and it might be a great article. And if I were to look that article up now, I mean, we, we just got back from the theater, like, before starting the other recording. So I haven't had time to search for this article and try to read it. I'm sure the article's great. I'm sure there is a good way to tell this story about this guy um, instead of focusing on Mr. Rogers but I just never caught on with this film at any moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts off and it's sort of like we watch the fake Mr. Rogers in- intro with uh, Tom Hanks instead of Mr. Rogers. And um, it tries to do a more playful thing with within the universe of the film we're watching. He's doing the pullouts of the little model houses and the model cities and stuff and bouncing around. And it's trying to do this kind of like stylistic flourish that's like, what if this movie was sort of in a a Mr. Rogersy universe? Um, but then it starts to go to bizarre places where you don't know what's real and what's not real. And, um, you know, we're not watching The Joker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it, it just, I, I never once cared about the author of the article. Um, he wasn't a particularly compelling person to follow in this story. His, um, the world that he was worried about with the context of Mr. Rogers was not particularly, uh, something that drew me in at all, especially when you're watching these like powerhouse stories, like marriage story and Blackbird, yeah. these things that really get you emotionally worked up. It does not that, help the comparison at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't. I mean, maybe if we hadn't seen, if we, if I could strike those other films from my mind and just watch this, maybe I could be pulled in more. But I mean, like the trailer for it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood made me cry nothing in the like there was one point towards the end where in my head i was saying the words fuck this guy and a, a tear like welled up in the corner <laughs> of my eye i'm like it must be like you the music your or, eye to slurp it back in like <laughs> don't you cry <laughs> I, I was i was like oh it must be it must be like my i'm my body is picking up on all the things the filmmaker is doing to try to make me cry but in my head i'm like this is dumb <laughs> um yeah. and i i just i i yeah like Tom Hanks is a great Fred Rogers. Like yeah. he, I, I was really happy whenever he was on screen, and he has genuine moments of just like you see him. It, it's not just that he's able to talk to children and make them feel better about their life. You see him speak with adults the same way he speaks with children, and you just you do get to see that aspect of Fred Rogers being a person who just wants to spread joy and make people know that it's okay to hurt sometimes, and you can feel better. And it's like a choice that you do to like, like take anger, to take pain, all these things, and turn them into love and joy and things like that. That stuff is there, but it's all on the periphery. There are entire swaths of this film that Mr. Rogers isn't even a character that exists in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that uh, you, you can't bait and switch me. That, I don't know. Maybe, maybe in a different world – uh, at a different time of watching this film, I could be like, oh, that was an interesting take on telling the story. But like, it just, it felt like, don't give me this. Like, you have to do a really good job of convincing me that your story, 
pretending to be about Fred Rogers, but being about yourself is better than telling me a story about Fred Rogers for me to be on board that. It'd be like if you went in to watch like the, um, you know, the Jobs movie and it was actually about a guy writing an article (laughs) and not about Steve Jobs, right? Like you have to do something interesting. Like the, you know, taking a story about Steve Jobs and, and narrowing it down to these three moments in time and trying to sum up the man with just these three moments in history. Right. That was a compelling way to tell that story that twists the narrative, right? That Great. I like that. This, what if I didn't do a story about Mr. Rogers and I just did a story about me is mm-hmm. not compelling to me. Um, and I'm not sure what part of the movie happened and <laughs> what part of the movie didn't. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, so that, that is a weight off my shoulders. Cause I, I was going to do it. Like I was going to be the one who, who criticized the Mr. Rogers movie. And I got to tell you, Chris, like after the movie, I opened up letterbox and started scrolling through just to like get a sense. 4.5, made me cry. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Made me cry. And I thought, like, am I dead? Like, am I dead inside? <laughs> because am okay, I gonna okay. wake up in the lobby? Of the yeah. thing? So Tom Hanks is really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, Tom Hanks carries every emotion of this movie. Any moment that makes you feel anything is yeah. Tom Hanks, like, looking at you with a gleam in his eye or emoting that he deeply feels sad for the thing that he just heard. Like, that is the only thing that makes this movie be salvaged for me is that Tom Hanks is giving such a good performance that I think it's like, it's impressive what he does. And I'm, I am mostly would praise the director for what she tried to do. I think trying to not just go the straightforward biopic was maybe a smart move. I don't know if she knew that that documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, was coming out last year. But with that documentary, doing a straight-up uh, like biopic of Fred Rogers, I think, would have been pretty disastrous. Like It would have just paled in comparison to the real one. Um, so like to its credit, this movie tries to shake things up. It's like, rather than be about Rogers, I'm going to be about homaging what Mr. Rogers means. Like, I'm going to make a movie that is bookended by things as if we're telling one of those stories. The problem is, like, I think Matt Reeves, the the lead guy, is, like, not compelling at all in this movie. He's basically like Zach Braff without being charming. Um, <laughs> he just feels like a, like a wet blanket and kind of like a douchebag most of the time. Um, yeah. They're... My emotions watching this movie were kind of a roller coaster because at the beginning I was like, yeah, I'm into this because, damn, Tom Hanks is doing a great job. And, yeah, the setup of uh, this main character that's interviewing him, that feels a little simple, but Mr. Rogers was simple, right? Like, give me a simple setup, then give me, like, a few really strong emotional conversations, show me the moment that he learned something about himself. I'm going to be on board. I'm going to be happy. So I started from, like, pretty high. And I would say the first, like, half hour of the movie, 45 minutes, I was still, like... This could definitely be good. Like, it, it's definitely out of must-see territory, for I, sure. I was checked out, like, five minutes in. Oh, wow. Like, the the first time, like, I was like, man, it's taking a lot of time for him to actually get to Fred Rogers to interview him. And then, like, I was like, okay, we're going to get there. And then I was just like, oh, it, it, no, yeah, we're not doing that. That's not <laughs> the movie we're seeing. Yeah, so I didn't have that experience. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad I'm, I'm at least probably not going to hate Mr. Rogers the most in this podcast. <laughs> Um, but, I'll be I'll be the Armand White. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because there was like uh, like the first half hour, forty five minutes, where I was like, this 
if it plays its cards right, this could definitely be in like recommend territory at least. Like it's it's swung and missed a few places, but I think it's going to have like its heart in the right place and be really clear and sympathetic. And what is Mister Rogers about if not like open heart on your sleeve sympathy? And you said it first. I think like the comparison to movies like Blackbird really hurt this because I have cried to a movie that I feel like was directly manipulating my heartstrings. That, I know I can do it, <laughs> and, and those movies have primed me. There were moments where I teared up in The Two Popes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's a movie that Steven has said is like almost surface level at times. Yeah. Uh, so the, the moment that I think really, really made me veer from this is a movie I could recommend to like, oh, no, don't ruin this movie is there, there is a sequence, as you mentioned, where a dream happens. And there are a few fantastical things that happen in this movie. Mostly it's a bookend thing, but some are lobbed in the middle too. The, the biggest emotional moment in terms of where the character was and where he goes happens right on the heels of a clearly dream sequence. And it happens in a heightened way that I was honestly waiting to wake up. Like I was waiting to be like, okay, when is this dream going to be over? Yeah. And it's not over. Like that part is not the dream. Yeah. Um, and I think that really hampers it. And I also just think the the family drama that it is trying to tell at the heart of this reporter is just not very fleshed out. It's not very interesting. And it's played for laughs a bit. I think our audience was kind of weird. Like they were a quick laugh when I feel like not everything would have been a laugh in the beginning of the movie. Um, but still, it definitely was not played with depth or nuance in the character. Like, Chris Cooper basically is like the iconic bad dad, right? Like American Beauty cemented that for me. Yeah. Um, he doesn't really get anything to do here. He's kind of just like a sketch of like alcoholic, mean, there's going to be some other sad backstory you'll elaborate on later. And I, I, I just feel like if you're going to make the movie be about this guy and how his life turned around, you have to make us feel those things. And like on a meta level, I, I get maybe they were trying to make it be bullet point simple because it is supposed to feel like an episode of Mr. Rogers and a story that he would tell. But if it's that, if it is about the person, then like go for the swing for the fences more and the emotions in the third act. Like I, like there, there was no big anything that <laughs> felt like a tearjerker. Like I, I was honestly kind of bewildered to learn that a bunch of people had cried in this movie. What? The girl next to me was sniffling and I was like, what, yeah. what, what got you? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think really what makes me the most upset about the dream aspects of this film is that from the character's own mouth, when he is given the job to profile Fred Rogers, he goes, that children's TV host guy, mm -hmm. he knows nothing about him. So the fact that he could have an, an elaborate enough dream where Fred Rogers has like posters of him and shit like that, like it just seems mm. it, it, it's... It doesn't make sense. And I, I think for me, the biggest sin of this film is, as I said, the plot follows this article. The article was supposed to be about Fred Rogers, but the guy turned it on himself. And I assume it's about how he came to know the heroness of Fred Rogers. It's something, it's, it's an inward look at some external thing. But the problem is, this film is that story. And the only instance of that story we get is the film. But a character reading the article version of it looks at it and goes like, but this isn't about Mr. Rogers. It's about you. And then the guy's like, yeah. And then she goes, 
and it's really good. <laughs> but it's like, no, you can't just tell me the story that you mm. based your movie off was really good. Show me that it yeah. was good. And you did not show me. There's also some weird stylistic stuff they're doing with a lot of different characters hearing a high-pitched whine, mm. which almost makes it... I mean, obviously, it's a story that really happens, so there is some connection. But it makes it feel like the filmmaker thinks that whatever this thing is is hereditary and both parents had it and the guy might have it too. Like, it, it just it doesn't... It, yeah, I don't know if the movie is going for that. It, but it, but I don't that is the thing. I don't really know what Marion Heller how she would describe this movie, like what what she is trying to convey and it 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 is like it feels like a bait and switch in the sense that I think the trailer definitely makes it look like this is going to be end of the tour with Fred Rogers, right? Like that's yeah. the thing. Interviewer thinks they're interviewing a subject goes away learning more about themselves than they did about the person. And meanwhile, we get a hint at the joy and sadness at the heart of fred rogers um and and i first of all you don't have to make fred rogers a specter who like can appear in different locations <laughs> and do weird shit mm -hmm. that that doesn't actually happen don't worry i'm not just spoiling the film but there are times where it feels like he is in places where he shouldn't be we've already talked about things that we don't know is real or not real but weirdness but going back to what i was saying before you could tell this exact story but make the POV Fred Rogers. Mm -hmm. He is doing a show. This guy shows up from Esquire. He has to have these conversations with him. And we are always staying with Fred Rogers, but this external force keeps appearing, asking questions, and then Fred uh, probes deeper into the life of that person. And then in the end, he gets to experience the story that that guy wrote and comment on it, right? Like, you can do this same narrative just flip the POVs, not from a wet blanket, but to a compelling man who, like, tried to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and this movie definitely does not want Fred Rogers to be the, the main actor in the film. He's more like the guardian angel of the lead character. He, yeah. he appears. We don't really get to see behind the curtain at all. We don't pierce what made him tick. He is strictly, like operating on the main character and the probing doesn't go the other direction the movie even makes light of it like like there are conversations that happen where he's trying to interview mr rogers and it won't go anywhere because mr rogers just turns the table and he's so focused on him um like in my head i i like that like there's plenty of movies where that could work but if you're going to take Mr. Rogers off the table and make it not be about him, you better be replacing it with something that I've, I see myself in, something that I can relate to so much that I yeah. feel what Mr. Rogers did in his life because I feel how low he had been and I feel how high he is at the end. And this movie just doesn't do that at all. Like the, the drama is so heightened that it all feels like it could be a joke, right? Like the, the timing of events that take place, the like scenes in a hospital. It, it, it's just, it, it is like everything is bad. Something happens. Now everything is uncannily good. And it, it feels maybe by design like a too good to be true children's story. But I'm not here to watch a children's story. Like show me real emotions somewhere. Yeah. It, or if you're going to make it a kid's story, make the emotions simple enough for a kid. And then maybe I'm going to have the, the Swiss Army Man effect where I feel very deeply about it because you communicated it in that way. Um, yeah, I've, I find it to be a bewildering choice. And it's only really salvaged by the fact that I think Tom Hanks is really, really, really good in this movie. Yeah, um, because Tom Hanks basically is the acting equivalent of Mr. Rogers. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was 
So I, I was going to comment to you. I, I wanted to save our opinions for this episode because I didn't want to dash your spirits if you were like feeling a high from having had your childhood returned to you from this movie or something. <laughs> um, but I was going to comment that I wonder if this will win the audience award because it feels like the green book of this year, oh, but God. like without the problematic aspect of green book, but I think also like notably worse than green book in the places the green book did well, yeah. because this is also kind of like a, a buddy comedy about someone being changed by someone else from spending time with them that ends with like the family's meeting and eating pie together. Like yeah. it, it just feels like the too good to be true schmaltzy thing. And here it's just dialed to 11 and like, I get it's a tribute <laughs> to a too good to be true person, but it, the, the, the knobs, like the levers didn't work for me and I don't understand it. And the fact that almost everyone else seems to love this movie makes me think I'm going crazy. <laughs> I, I, I would though watch uh, a movie where Viggo Mortensen drives around Tom in his car. <laughs> Yeah, that, that would be great. Um, it, it's also just, like, I think Marianne Heller I just maybe don't get, because Can You Ever Forgive Me was also one that critics loved. Like, that like that was often listed in, like, top ten lists. Some people named it their favorite movie of the year. And when I watched it, I was like, that's fine. You know, fine, decently done, classic narrative movie. Nothing special, no big anythings. Um, yeah. And here, I also just feel that. I'm like, this is fine. Like, if if it weren't about a character I know so well, I wouldn't feel at all affronted by what this movie does. I would just be like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, the drama isn't earned that much. It's a very classic story. You know, there's a sweet character in it. The end. Um, yeah. And I, I don't get what people are seeing in in her work that I'm not seeing because I I feel pretty confused by how much people are enjoying this. Yeah, I, I never ended up seeing it, but when I first saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this seems like an interesting story that I would like to see unfold. Um, I just never got around to it, um, but I am curious what I would think if I did see that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I really, really, really don't think it helps that Won't You Be My Neighbor came out last year, so even the the nostalgic bits that should get us like what yeah. you do with the mad that you feel daniel the tiger uh you know songs that are sung, swimming in a pool <laughs> yeah song, songs that are sung in this movie like all of that like could have triggered something in me if i hadn't like already seen that done in so much more of a heartfelt direct way just a year ago and now because all that is in my head this just feels like a kind of we're gonna traffic in the nostalgia of mr rogers and then we're going to put it behind, like, an A-plot that is just not good. Like, an A-plot yeah. that feels like, like I don't know, a made-for-TV drama. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would have loved the end-of-the-tour version of this. Yeah. Like, it, it, it would have been interesting to see a person try to dissect Fred Rogers. Um, and instead, we get a guy barely dissect himself. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, well, let's go ahead and get to our verdicts then. Stephen, if you're going to give us a must-see, record with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I, I've been agonizing over this ever since we left the theater. Because um, my emotional roller coaster started in recommend with a caveat. Certain things happened that dropped it to pass with a caveat, bordering on must-avoid. And then like I started to feel a little bit better toward the end of the movie. And it was like teetering between pass and rental, pass and rental. I don't know, like, I think this movie is probably passable, but I also f 
don't think it's lesser than like the two popes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I think I'm grading it on a scale of like what I wanted it to be and not like, is this a nice thing where the director is doing something interesting? And if you care, like a charismatic actor is carrying it. So I don't, I, I know the ratings don't matter. Like, <laughs> Wait for rental. I'm giving it a wait for rental. Cause I think if I hadn't been surrounded by all of these dramas that really hit those emotional beats very well, probably some of the tear jerky stuff would have gotten me a little bit more. I think in my brain, I respect the chances the director is taking more than I enjoyed them in the context of watching it. And I think maybe if I watched it in a different mood, it would be something that I'm fine with, but it, it's bordering on past. Cause you guys, this movie makes a lot of very strange decisions that I do not agree with. Yeah. Um, I am going to, uh, I'm going to give this to the pass with the caveat. The caveat is that this is the 10th film that we've seen here <laughs> and we've seen some really good stuff. Um, and I did but not. But you love the two popes. So like, you're clearly not dead inside. True, <laughs> true, true. But the, t- the two popes basically has two Tom Hanks in it. <laughs> that's true so even if it's just as bad it's double the good Mm -hmm. um but no yeah in in all seriousness um i'm gonna give it a pass the caveat i um i did not like it like at all like this film lost me like as soon as the opening sequence was done like as soon as we're no longer in mr rogers neighborhood like as soon as he pulls open that little door and you see the guy's face um and the audience laughs yeah and the audience laughs i just went yeah, I don't know what I'm watching. <laughs> and then it never recovered and only got worse. And um, yeah, this film lost me way early on. And uh, there's nothing, there was no trolley I could get on that would take me back mm-hmm. um, to the castle. And uh, yeah, it just, <sighs> very disappointing. Very, very disappointing. Can I, I th- th- we've already reviewed it, but I just want to end with one positive note. There was a scene where the interviewer is watching a puppet show take place and he walks a little further so he can just look at Fred Rogers' face while he's doing the puppet show. Yeah. I thought that was a beautiful scene. And I, like, I was hoping the movie would be so much of that kind of thing, of probing at this man who is like heartfelt to the point that he is allowing himself to feel the weight of the pain that he's trying to communicate. And yeah. I, I would have really liked that movie. <laughs> um, but that's one of the only ones like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is our review of It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Stephen Miller, people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that? People can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, and instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. And uh, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. We have to rush out and eat dinner before seeing Knives Out. Um, we will be back later in the feed with reviews of Joker, Knives Out, um, other things that I'm forgetting right now because the schedule's getting uh, crazy. We got Jojo Rabbit, we got Waves, and we got Uncut Gems. Cool. So we're going to have lots of fun things coming up, um, all of which I can only assume we will love more than It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, so. on, honestly, with the exception of Waves, which I don't know a lot about, 
I feel pretty confident that I'm going to be positive on all the rest of the movies we watch. Yeah. Well, we will see you then. Bye. Bye. This is Canadian content, and it's time we take credit for it, starting now. Oh, oh. Canada!